The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. I have a panel with me for uh, our next segment, uh, the What's Going On panel with Alva Smith, who is an LGBT activist, and Jen Hogan, who is a journalist and author. Thank you for coming in, guys, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Sorry to um, dampen our spirits already before we've even started. Um, I'm going to move on to uh, a story that I saw in the front of the examiner today about the refugee crisis that is uh, on our doorstep and on everyone in Europe's doorstep and how we seem to have run out of space for the refugees that we have pledged and we're not even at the amount that we that we have pledged to house what what do you think is going on there alba well what's going on is what hasn't been going on there mm-hmm. because after all you know we've known for a long time that we were having xyz numbers of ukrainian people coming every single week <clears throat> and um, that that accommodation would be required. And it seems to me that there has been delay after delay after delay. And of course, we've run out of accommodation with the result that Ukrainian people who must, after all, be absolutely exhausted and weary and coming without bags and baggage, but with, with their families and having made long journeys and escaped from often very traumatic situations to find themselves out in the old terminal in Collinstown with sort of barely mattresses to sleep on or Mm. sponge, those kind of sponge beds, no hot food, no hot food. And then being bussed off to a dormitory somewhere in, in student accommodation in Limerick, for example. You know, this is not... This is not the way we should be treating people. And I feel there is no excuse for it at this point because we have, as I say, known that we were going to have uh, a fair number of refugees coming in. And the fact that this is continuing, there's no excuse there either because that has been very, very well known. And, you know, I I would want to point out that 40,000 Ukrainian people, 30,000 of whom are in accommodation, um, We should be well able to cope with that. But of course, we know from our own history of uh, refugees from other countries and migrants from other countries still being in direct provision, 23,000 and more still in direct provision, that we are incredibly bad at planning for really honouring our responsibilities. We take on these responsibilities and obligations towards others and then we fail to honour them in a decent way. And I'm very disappointed. I'm quite, I'm really upset about it because I, I just think that when you look at what's happening in Ukraine, to think of people coming over and they're, they're grateful but, you know, we should be giving them hot food and a proper place to sleep and some kind of hope. It does no seem that for it, Stephanie. It does seem that when we when we need to mobilise on something, we can like for example, we put together NEFIT, the National Public Health Emergency Team. There doesn't seem to have been any same, you know, I guess like intentional team put together in order to face because what about people then who say, Jen, it's not as if we're hiding all of this accommodation that we don't want to share, like mm-hmm. we are doing our, our, our best and we, we don't have the accommodation. What, 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 what do you say to those people? Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's absolutely dreadful, like Alva said, um, to see the situation that, that we're welcoming, welcoming Ukrainian refugees into. But it's not really a surprise, not only because we haven't been doing enough, but also because we've had difficulties with housing and accommodation mm-hmm. for a long time now. And it's been a huge issue. So to put further demands in it was always to be expected. The problem is it's literally playing into the hands of those who might uh, 
promote maybe xenophobic or racist vibes. And you can see there's a hashtag trending on Twitter. I'm not going to mention it because I'm yeah. not going to add fuel to it. But thankfully, a few decent people have taken over the hashtag and they use the hashtag and say nice things about Ireland. Right, but there okay. are people jumping on this. Saying, Irish people. They're Irish people. Irish people. That's what's so Awful Irish people it. who don't want Irish people who are going along and it's really hard even to explain it because I'll, I'll end up explaining the hashtag but who think we can't take anymore that's it yes. okay. that, yeah. there's enough people here it's a terrible hashtag and um, as I but said it, this it's is part the, of European law like yeah. it's not that we're choosing we to take no, in more yeah. we, it's actually not under our authority in any case to we limit don't. the numbers that are coming in we from agreed, Ukraine we, we agreed to this number at the time um, we knew that we needed to put in place very considerable uh, accommodation there was uh, definitely a failure with regard to the homes that were promised by people. The follow up on that seems to have collapsed entirely. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking promising promising 300 tents, I think, in Gormanston next next week. I mean, 300 Monday, tents yeah. is not actually, when you've got 300 people getting off a plane, I mean, that's not actually going to go very far. And what about the student accommodation? Which, when September when that comes around. September. I think even what you, you just raised there, Ava, one of the issues is we didn't really look, think of this long term. You know, we were asking Irish people to open their homes, to take in families. The novelty of that wore off and it will wear off and it does wear off. And that's not something, you know, that's human nature. That's very difficult for a lot of people to take in a family long term, to not have, to not know further down the road how they can manage that. With yes. the best will in the world and Irish people are, are incredibly generous of, of spirit um, and you know, welcoming people into your home. It's an incredible thing to do. But I did interview um, families about this, <coughs> excuse me, um, a little while back when, when we first started welcoming refugees here. And the one concern that a lot Lots of families raised was they didn't know when the end date was. They didn't have, you know, most yes. of the time if you have somebody coming, you know, they're coming, even if it's family, they're coming for a few weeks, even a, potentially a month yes. or two if they're coming from from a, a long distance. But that there was no end date. And there is this fear. And as you, as you mentioned there, when we when we move towards the students returning to college, <laughs> we're going to, it's, it's going to we become an even bigger problem. We don't have enough students. accommodations for students, exactly. We don't have any accommodation so for students in some places. It is, it is hugely worrying and it should be hugely worrying. And the idea of putting people into well, tented one, villages... The one good thing I took from it this week was that I thought it was there was a poll I think was in the Irish Times the other day which showed that Irish people generally were very much in favour of Ireland continuing to honour yeah. its obligations with regard to accepting um, uh, people from from Ukraine, um, but that they were expressing a concern about accommodation. So there is a difference, I think. Mm -hmm. I think people are right to express a concern about accommodation and to put that into the overall accommodation uh, pot, if you like, where so many people are homeless. We have over 10,500 people homeless here. So, you know, there is a major, major problem. But what disturbs me is that I do not detect a sense of urgency. I have not heard a minister saying this is catastrophically bad. We're moving on it now. What I hear is we're looking into this uh, within a few weeks time. A few weeks is too long. Yeah, we have a text here from Lauren in Cork that says the Taoiseach described the situation yesterday as, quote, very, very challenging. Surely words are no good at this stage. Where is the action? It's not good enough to have these refugees arrive with no practical plan. That is the thing. Like we're, we're talking about it a lot, but we're not seeing the action. And we have seen this is what frustrates me is we have seen that we can take yes. radical immediate action 
in the last two years we've done it several well, times. They're talking about the tendering process and one thing and another and I'm thinking what are they doing in the various government departments that they haven't sorted out that whole tendering mm-hmm. process? I mean how many tenders do you have to make uh, To and, and how, how long do they absolutely have to take? All of these things were speeded up during the pandemic and they can be speeded up again and people can at the so very least in Ireland of the welcomes be given a hot meal when they get off a plane. Another text, two texts yeah. here saying there's plenty of accommodation for the refugees but incompetence means that it's not allocated or organised. The old terminal at the airport had already been set up and used as overnight accommodation. If you want to text in you can at 53106. Um, yeah, it just seems like a situation that's And you'd worry continue. about the practicalities of it too. I mean you have to bear in mind these are families, these are, large, these are women and children who are coming here. Yes. When we get around to Large September years. we need a base for, for families to try to find a home for children to go to school from, to have facilities for them to um, do their homework even, to be able to <laughs> engage and integrate in the community and take part in activities and be part of the local sports club. <clears throat> so we need, it, it's it's so, so vital and yet, like I said, there's not, not, a, not the sense of urgency that we need, far from it. I wonder uh, if it was a case that when the war kicked off, it was like, okay, we just need somewhere safe for these people to go. Yeah, and yeah. it's safe and, here, but mm-hmm. that's not... Like being but it safe hasn't been like that enough. now for a couple of months, Stephanie. We've known that this war is very sadly and tragically very likely to continue. But that didn't just fall off a tree yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been very plain, really, since about the month of May, that there was not going to be um, a rapid end to it. And th- there is another dimension to this, which, I mean, we do talk about, but I also think not quite enough, that we have at the same time higher numbers of migrants coming in from other countries, mm-hmm. some of them refugees and asylum seekers, some of them not. Um, They're expecting something in the region this year. It's calculated that we'll have about 7,000 people coming to this country. So what provision is being made for people who are coming in, not under that the Ukrainian International Protection mm-hmm. Regulation, but under different regulations, because our our record there is really quite appalling. The thought that people are still in direct provision years after they arrive, decades, and that, decades, mm-hmm. and that they also there was a very touching, moving, but really very sad story about a, a young chap who's had the right to work and stay, right to stay and right to work and right to everything for the past two years. He's in his early 20s and he is still in direct provision because he can't find anywhere to live. So, you know, we have to get real. And as you say, it's we need deeds, not words. And we need a sense of urgency. I want to hear a minister speak of an emergency here Mm -hmm. and that they're doing something about it as an emergency. It does seem that it's touching off the Venn diagram of all the other issues we have (laughs) in the country at the moment. Um, Okay, we're going to move on to the next story um, moving across the water to uh, the Tories. So the, the... if, if you haven't been across it, obviously Boris Johnson fell from grace and is now not uh, the leader of the Tory party anymore. And the leadership race in Britain has exploded and exploded into life last night as the four candidates that remain, four or five candidates that remain, took to um, to a debate which was moderated by Krishnan Guru Murthy um, on Channel 4 just to see who, who was going to be leader. And 
was a, it was a fascinating debate. I, I have no idea how it's going to go. It's looking like at the moment Rishi Sunak has the most votes, but then once the next person gets knocked off, who are their votes going to transfer to? It's kind of wild. Jen, what do you make of it all? Who do you think is going to be the next Tory leader? Well, I was watching and I suppose <laughs> I was only saying to Alva outside, the thing about watching something like that is it makes you feel quite superior altogether yeah. <laughs> when you watch what's going on across the world. Going, Maybe we haven't got it quite so bad here, which I don't know if that's, that's a good way to be viewing it, but certainly it's how I was viewing it. I was, it was a really interesting debate. It was interesting to watch how it was, um, how it all played out. And I do, I think Rishi, Rishi uh, said I came across really well. But I think Tom Tokenat also came across. I mean, he, for me, watching it as somebody who, if I was in that position, would never in a million years vote Tory. And I think that was the thing about him. He was yes, the one who appealed yeah. to all the people who would never vote Tory. Okay. And that's the whole Oh, yeah, it's a strong yeah. place to he, be. It is. A, well, it depends. I suppose it's who's voting for you. Well, you know, guess, yeah. Yeah, like it, who, who's, who's going to actually make that decision? He needs. The, he it's he not, does need the Tory vote. Yeah. So it's not. It's not the likes of the people who would vote for him because he's not. He didn't come across as typical Tory. He was the only person to turn around and say that Boris was dishonest, and that was well, that got yeah. him huge support from the, audience, from the audience. Who very interestingly, when they were asked, um, did they trust politicians? No one put their say hands up. Anything? No, he, he didn't. Shook he shook his, his head. head. So there was yeah. nothing on record of him saying that's no, true. He's very Boris clever. Is not yeah. honest. So it was really quite interesting. Yeah. All of the others hedged it. I thought Kemi Badenoch, who is one of the outsider candidates there, and an interesting person, a very interesting woman, I think. Uh, but she was very cautious when mm-hmm. asked, is he honest uh, or is he a liar? I think, is he dishonest? Uh, I think she said sometimes. That's right. Yes. The others were. And then but, continued you know, to justify. When yeah. I thought, oh, I'm going to be watching this debate tonight. And I thought, can I stand an hour and a half of Tory talk? <laughs> In fact, it was extremely well moderated, which really helped. And the audience had asked with what were obviously mm. prepared questions. So it was, in fact, not a rough and tumble debate. It was a debate where they really did have to address um, the issues. But what fascinated me was that the the primary thing that people wanted to talk about was trust yeah. and honesty. Honesty didn't surprise me. Trust didn't really surprise me. But it is absolutely number one. But what excited each of the five politicians most was the issue of taxation. Yes. And they got excited and all kind of um, revved up as soon as it, as uh-huh. soon as they began to talk about taxation. And you could actually see the audience were kind of sitting back and thinking, we want to know, are you going to be telling us porkies mm-hmm. or are you actually going to be getting on with the business of governing the country? So it's around taxation that you have most of the the had, differences between the candidates. And you had Rishi Sunak really playing then on the fact that I am going to tell you the realities of what we need to do. You know, I have to be straight with you. It's one of the reasons I fell <clears> out <throat> with Boris. You know, we need to be straight with you about um, about the difficult times that are coming. And he kept that consistent line all along where the others were discussing well, yeah, well, I green levies. I thought that he was more of a sort of a social democrat or a lib dem, a liberal democrat than, than a Tory. And Kemi Badenoch has, has aspects of that as well, whereas the other three, particularly Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, are really high Tory politics. So, um, on the whole, uh, whereas Penny Mordaunt is a different kettle of fish, and I certainly wouldn't be calling it Jen. I I think Rishi Sunak is still very much in there. I think Liz oh, Truss so do is I, out. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
uh, but I think it might be between Penny Mordaunt and and Rishi Sunak. Hard to tell. As funny as the as a non, obviously, as I said, uh, somebody who was never Tory. Tory you know, it was the two men who came out best for me. They were the two I was thinking if I was in that position. But then I thought, I, oh, yes. Mm, I I mean, I do think I do think it's healthy that mm. they have a number of women and that there is good ethnic diversity. Yeah. I think that's that's very. You know, I think that this is a good thing for politics generally. But really, what 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 they were proposing to do, given the cost of living increase, mm-hmm. was pretty well zero. It was pretty well zero. Very, very little. They were talking about people getting an extra thousand pounds. And you just think, oh, my God, will yeah. they grow up? Yeah. And we'll, we'll, it remains to be seen how, how that will all uh, how that will all play out. But we'll be watching it on the edge of our seats. Um, what are you guys doing for the for the warm weather, Jen? Oh, I'm, I'm saying bring it on. I know you're bring it on. Bring it on. I'm thinking I haven't really been particularly warm recently. Even going out this morning, I said to my husband, do I need a jacket? And he goes out and goes, well, you probably will. <laughs> you know, because I, I love now a bit We have of a text here from uh, PJ saying, we have a cloudy, cool weather here in Swinford, Mayo all week, chilly at night. Saw the sun for the first time this week around two o'clock in the afternoon. No heat wave here yet. I'm going to Mayo for the weekend. That is my now plan. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to Mayo. Pretty sounds hard I though. really like, I don't like when it, when it gets into the mid-30s but I do like this kind of mm. heat I find that somebody said to me yesterday it's very hot isn't it I said well no I still have my jacket on actually <laughs> so I do love that heat I love the warm evenings I think that's so it's such a great pleasure yeah. to have the warm evenings and you don't notice that the sun hasn't been shining maybe but what I would be very concerned about is if it goes up into the 30s for older people mm. and for babies and for those poor women who are or 39 pregnant, and 40 yeah. weeks pregnant. pregnant. Oh my God. But you're going to have some good weather shining down on you today. What is the, t- give us the details. <laughs> well, it's just going to, the sun is going to shine on the Trans Pride March today. And I am so pleased and so happy about that. And I really hope people will come together. It kicks off at two o'clock at the Garden of Remembrance. And we know trans people, we, we, we want to be there in support because, you know, everybody deserves respect. Everybody deserves their rights. And I will be so proud to march with my great trans pals today. Alva Smith and Jen Hogan, thank you so much for joining me today nice for the sir. panel. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.